weekend environments, a sanctuary of sound. Welcome, Mino Cristante here, Weekend Environments, a Sanctuary of Sound. For 15 years, I worked as a veteran in the audiophile manufacturing industry. In that time, I was used as a guinea pig to experiment with over 1,500 different audio prototypes in the mesmeric and amazingly fascinating world of audio cables and power distribution, formerly with Shinyata Research. Today, I'm with Luke Zitrikoff of Illuminous Audio, and I am distributor of the Illuminous Audio Gravitas speaker system, as well as the isolation vibration component module foot component used under audio components and loudspeakers around the world. Good morning, Luke. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing today? Uh, good morning, Mino. Uh, thanks, as always, uh, for the invite and um, always enjoy our conversations. Thank you. Yes, I, I, we uh, tripped over this topic, I think, in our previous discussions. And I enjoy tripping over topics. And also, even though, if anyone's familiar with the concept of the nettle plant in nettles, if they've ever walked through a field of nettles, they'll never forget the name nettle. If they've ever fallen in them, they'll never forget how it feels. And if they ever make tea with nettles, They'll never forget the wonderful and very aromatic and pleasant experience of having nettle tea. But essentially, nettles are like stepping on a beehive. They will sting you instantly, and they leave a memorable punch. Uh, and <clears throat> our topic today, we're talking about reviews versus reality. And it's a little bit like a nettle field. No matter where you go in this subject, someone's going to feel stung. So I welcome you to uh, experience nettles, whether you are a reviewer or you have, uh, maybe you've uh, DIYed an audio product or built one and not had the kind of review you wanted. Uh, everyone gets stung in the nettle patch. So, um, here we are in this new uh, environment of people looking for new audio possibilities and really the what was available to us before in the way of worldwide or regional audio shows is essentially going away. It's always being delayed or canceled, but we're seeing a change in the entire landscape. Maybe they won't be there ever again. And uh, now we're also looking at a magazine industry that has been dependent on shows for a lot of the content. And what do you think about all that, Luke? And specifically, is do reviews 
do they portend or reflect reality to some degree? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think it's kind of a, a multi-angled um, consideration. And one of those uh, is regarding audio shows and uh, reviews in a sense where people that are on staff for a magazine, whether it's print or online, go from room to room and take a listen. And most people know who they are. They, they've been around a long time and um, they like to take a listen and make some notes about how anything sounded. And that's can later be published online or a magazine. And where the review aspect comes is sometimes uh, readers take that as if it were a review versus just a little snapshot of, hey, I sat down for two minutes and heard one song and it sounded however it sounded. So it's kind of put magazines uh, and all reviewers in kind of a tough spot because people are looking for an in-depth review when there's so many products, it's hard to cover them all. So that happens through the shows. But as far as just reviews are concerned, um, I do like your uh, picture of the nettle patch where there's things that people might disagree with in a review and it's hard to sort all that out sometimes. Yeah. What, uh, are the, what do you think are some components of most reviews that always work and that are always helpful to someone who's watching a video or in most cases, reading a magazine, what is part, what is the, uh, what's the redeeming qualities of most reviews? Well, i personally feel that one of the a starting point is the unbiased review. And those are kind of a unicorn. They're almost non-existent, <clears throat> but I feel like that's a great starting point because if, uh, the commentary about a product's sound and appearance and all of that is has too much bias. It's pretty evident that it's more just an opinion-based review. So I think that's the starting point. And then the, the aspects for, uh, I guess, a useful review might cover um, all the pluses that the reviewer hears and all the minuses they hear and try to use language that um, describes why they thought that, why they felt that way about why was it good or why was it bad? And that makes for what I think is a fairly good review uh, in the written form anyway. Okay, so the, um, is there a format that you look for that you think tends to work better? I know there's the typical format of here are all of the recordings I listened to, here are the components in the system in which I listened to the this other component. This is the uh, exposition of my piece. I feel it has this character, that character. Um, is that are those redeeming factors of most reviews? Would you say? I think you bring up a good point in the fact that oftentimes uh, songs that are used for evaluation, uh, the, the question about that is how good of a recording was that track, that song? Um, the music is just art, it's what it is. And that can be debated as to its merit. 
the art itself, the music. So as long as the recording itself is, is a high quality recording and has aspects that may highlight some strengths or weaknesses of a product, I feel like using tracks or uh, test songs that a reviewer prefers is a reasonable method. And I think as long as the review does cover a couple different kinds of songs that are that have a very different artistic portrayal, then the review is a more full-bodied review and there's maybe some more that the, the reader can take away from a review that covers more types of music. A very prominent reviewer with whom I spoke some time ago explained to me that he would primarily only review products that he thought were fantastic. And then when a manufacturer approached him to review their product, he would say, well, do you really want me to review this? Because if I do, and, and I really don't care for it, I'm going to say so. So isn't it an interesting uh, paradox that the many products that are not preferred by a reviewer, even though may be amazingly good and perform well, uh, they don't get reviewed because of the preference of that reviewer uh, one way or the other. And then the only the products that that particular person appreciates are the ones that get the airplay or get the rag play. Uh, do you think that's a viable way to decide what to review? I, I don't think that's, uh, what would you say, an equitable approach. And for obvious reasons, um, that is a filter of saying, of some, uh, a single person, a single reviewer saying, this product is worthy of a review. And I think that's a pretty slippery slope to start making that filter of this product is acceptable, this one isn't, and they're, they're the final judge and the only judge. That's, I consider that dangerous to any new products, especially revolutionary products coming to the market that are a challenge to uh, established products that um, have a lot of review coverage. So I, I feel that that's pretty dangerous, but I think the biggest part of, of the missing out is, is the filter of somebody saying, hey, why have we not heard about such and such product? It's been around for three or four years, but nobody reviewed it. Um, why? And there's a lot of reasons why, but it's certainly uh, a disservice to, to those looking to find out about new and different products. Yes, the, um, the review experience is, it's interesting, paradoxical, because many audiophile listeners, audio enthusiasts, many are very, very skeptical, very, very cynical, about what they're reading and yet they continue to read. Uh, is 
what is the alternative and let's get to what we might perceive as the as an actual reality of discovering new audio possibilities do forums are they the real place to find out about what's good what's best yeah well as far as uh reviews versus reality um that is so true because a review is virtually always an opinion-based piece and they can be really swayed based on the user's previous experience or their taste or the worst case of all being paid to say something and that taints the review just from the written standpoint but that's a small part and almost a useless part in a in a certain way for the appreciation slash judging part of an audio product because we buy these products for what? For sound. Um, sometimes for how they look, but I think most, well, many users buy them for their sound quality. So the, the real part that matters isn't so much the written opinion of some person who doesn't who won't be purchasing the product for their own use. That's, um, I, I would consider it an irrelevant area compared to listening in your system for someone who's interested in new products. So here we have a possibility. Already we have a component being reviewed that's subject to all of the peculiarities of a particular listener's system, their power grid, their tastes, the room that they're listening in, and so many other variables. If you want to go down that rabbit hole, you might be able to determine that reviews are actually a fiction, that it's really not possible to, to write a generalized review when there are so many variables that the reader will never know. And so a case could be made that says you can make anything sound fantastic if you have it in the right room, if you have it in the right power, if you have it amongst the right sibling components that are comparable for it. Um, there's any type, but it's, it's, for instance, the best we have to begin that research process. Uh, I think people resort a lot to forums and the minority of the minority now rules a negative comment simply by virtue of the fact that it is negative can count as much as four times more than a comment that is positive people don't necessarily at least in the foreign world uh, take as much cynicism and skepticism toward a negative comment as they would toward a positive comment. And so <clears throat> then you have a situation where you have a lot of discussion by folks that have never heard the component, who don't own the component, don't know the component. Uh, if they do, and if they've invested a lot of money in it, they might be more prone to only give accolades of it, especially those who are looking to sell the component. That they're not happy with so now you have 
all kinds of other biases. It's another nettle field. And, uh, but what do you think is the alternative that could be available to people when they're researching and out there now they don't really have shows in a way they're more dependent on rags, uh, websites and videos, uh, such as this one and others or podcasts to find out what is the reality that we need to, to find. I think you bring about this um, final destination about uh, people interested in performance audio equipment and what will it do in their system, in their room, playing their music. And that, that, uh, that answer is the in-home audition. It's, uh, it's an old thing going way back and it's the, the old is new again in-home audition is the only realistic way to get an accurate idea of how something is going to work for someone's system. And it can do so much more than a review that's from a different system, a different room with music they someone may or may not listen to. So, so a fuller- I think... Oh, with the, the change of the landscape, I feel like now more so than ever, the in-home audition of equipment is at the forefront, not only out of necessity, but because it's a better evaluation. So the fuller brush salesman method is back for those yep. who are too young to understand what I'm talking about or realize the illusion I'm making is to the door-to-door encyclopedia salesman or the fuller brush salesman who is selling brushes and knocking on the back door if he's a particularly assertive salesman at the kitchen where the housewife tests the brush right then and there and will essentially send him packing if that is not an excellent product but we'll then immediately purchase it if it is an excellent product. So we're, it seems like we're headed home to the good old fashioned days of actual sales where the proof becomes in the pudding and the salesperson will take his licks and is willing to run the risk of presenting the product and where right where the decision process can happen. Now, looking at it from the world of the statistical analyst, uh, if he or she is has a little tally sheet, a little spreadsheet, and every time they go to the forum, they're logging their hours and hours and hours, and their subject matter and category of study and research, and then they're logging their reading and their reading and their reading, uh, writing out their bibliography of various articles that they have studied about amplifiers, solid state, class D or class A, non-solid state. Uh, and if they were to look at that, and it's enjoyable, many en- folks enjoy that pursuit. It just It's an area of hobby and interest to them. And so just for the f- sake of doing that, it's worthwhile to 
to enjoy that pursuit. But if you're on a particular mission and you're looking for a component, then you really do want to kind of improve your system and have a better sound system. So you're looking to see what other people say, what other people's experiences are, and you're looking in forums for that. Uh, it just seems to me that if you then go to the third category and say, okay, well, I have, you know, $4,500. Why don't I just hire an audio consultant? And then I'm just going to lay that money down. And then one day I'm going to pretty much have a much better idea of what I do want to do or, or don't want to do. And that is, I think, a new viable possibility. Yes. Uh... I think that that would be a benefit to both the end user, purchaser, uh, distributor slash dealerships, and the manufacturers themselves, because I think it adds a lot of clarity to the feedback process of here is this product. It was developed at a manufacturing company and they made something that they felt was excellent. But until it goes out to that end user system, each individual one, and they have a, a try with it and say, well, after testing the product and using it for myself, I either loved it or hated it or thought it was ho-hum, but it would be no longer um, influenced by things that have really nothing to do with the product. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I'm, I think that's a wonderful change for the better. Yeah, so reality is good in the sense that you can, it's more like firsthand experience. And it's something that firsthand experience trumps, in my opinion, research and secondhand testimony hearsay and even an argument argumentative piece that defends an opinion nothing beats just sitting back in your nice listening space and closing your eyes and just enjoying this component test or uh, experience of finding out if the uh, system is better for the change or just different, whether you prefer that. And while it seems like to many manufacturers, hey, wait a minute, we just spent so many years designing this product, uh, manufacturing it, marketing it. Now you want us to come into someone's home and then actually play for them and see if they like it or if they don't. It seems like that's what's necessary. If that's where we have to go, it seems to be the only winning strategy for a manufacturer or distributor such as myself to do the personal in-home demo. And perhaps there would be dealers that are an alternative. And we may see, ironically, uh, dealers make a big comeback because it may be the only alternative to the in-home experience. Uh, and I think that 
where the institutions of shows and magazines are losing ground in their uh, integrity. What do you think about that? I think that is precisely the case. And this has been underway well before uh, virus uh, cancellation of shows where there's been uh, commentary, both just in person, uh, whether at dealerships or shows or on the phone or email and in forums about this um, limitations of product access for review or for trial or for other folks' opinions that are outside of the business of doing reviews. And that's another one of those areas where folks that are doing unbiased reviews, whether even possibly at a magazine or online place that are not being directly paid to do a review from the manufacturer, those are probably a better insight into what a product is doing. But again, it has the limitation of it's that person's system, their room, what their ears heard, all those things that I think fall short of the, the uh, reality experience of the end user at, in their home, in their listening room. But I wouldn't fully discredit reviews because when done in an unbiased manner, I think they provide some creative points, talking points about, okay, I think this product excels here, here, and here. And then when the end user takes a list and they say, well, I think that reviewer did say that it did these things and I heard it too. So I think that can kind of add to the fun in the, in the testing process. Yeah, I think that can be, we introduced that fun word, which I think is extremely important so that people don't forget what, why they're involved in this pursuit and this hobby. Uh, I've had a different outlook on it since I was making my living for 15 years being involved in this hobby. Uh, it's not a hobby. It was a very regular day job, very serious business, very serious hobby. Um, <clears throat> so reality <laughs> is... <laughs> the reality is important and it seems like we need more of it in folks finding the products that they would enjoy uh, and there are many products out there that are fantastic there are many speakers that perform exceptionally well we don't hear about them and even gravitas is an exceptional superb technology and speaker system, but there are also other systems, other speakers that perform exceptionally well in many different types of applications, but we never know about them and we don't hear about them. And it's really up to people like you and me to let people know about our products. And the difference I think in the reality department is that we are willing to prove it eyeball to eyeball. And that is, uh, that's before a purchase. So 
that is a commitment and that shows integrity and that is what what we're about what we're wondering and i think i'm wondering is uh is this going to become more again are we going to return to the more traditional approach in presenting our wares to to customers um and that's been my the reality version of versus you know the review process yeah i couldn't agree more and i think that the review versus reality uh, review is more of a fictional scenario to where things can be made however they want to be made and be interpreted in whatever manner suits an individual whereas the reality as you were saying is pretty much the show me of don't tell me what you heard let me hear it for myself and i think that is the uh, the ground zero of reality is let me hear it for myself do you think it's more valuable to pay for that or is it more valuable to seek out only the uh less you know the ones that appear to knock they cost your time and they cost your reasoning power but they don't cost a lot of money to run around the internet and to log, log on to forums and to ask questions to a lot of other people who may not really be that well informed on their question but enjoy being on the forum because it's a social event. Um, what is the answer for our question? Who are we supposed to just continue on the review process trail? And how do we get a piece of this reality? I, I think, well, I know that the review and the information and opinion sharing side of the house through forums and even through magazine and online reviews is purely opinion-based for one person. And the, the value of that is fairly small financially, but the bigger financial value and much more reality-based review is the in-home and those uh, oftentimes are not free uh, due to expenses of just getting the equipment to the customer's house and moving equipment out, setting up new things, doing all of this um, certainly costs a lot of uh, labor hours and expenses. So what you do get reality-based-wise is a product that the manufacturer is so confident about that they're willing to do that. And that does separate those from the, uh, what would I say, the, the more serious manufacturers from the, well, we'll just throw a product out there, try to get some reviews and see what happens. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the, uh, I think there is a new possibility of old proven concepts. And if the dealer situation doesn't improve, then I think the second alternative to a 
in-home demo would be, we've used the analogy of the fuller brush salesman. And I believe there also used to be even a shoe salesman that came and you tried on shoes and then they actually went and made the shoes and brought them back from the style that you wanted. And then in the mid-century classic is the Tupperware party where a client or customer will host an event where people can come and hear that product in their system. They can see that system. They can have a social event and they can decide for themselves with this work in my system. And that may be something that could be pursued as a way to get closer to reality and finding out uh, what's, what's good and what's bad. I know for smaller components, there has been, and we do this for the IVCM component, which is the foot component, the reference while about nine pounds each, and they're not inexpensive, they're very expensive and for their quality, a very extremely good quality product, but nine pounds of aluminum and the machining and the design, uh, it would be a, it's a nice pretty penny for anyone to spend for the smaller Velvet Mini, uh, much more reasonable and comparable price for uh, similar products in the foot component area. But we will ship to a customer for them to evaluate and decide for themselves, does it work in their system at the risk of knowing that if it's not successfully installed, if it's not properly installed, then they're not going to know how well it performs. So if we're present, of course, it's going to be a much better demonstration, much more effective to show the performance. And, and I think that uh, essentially that's why we wouldn't be able to do it for the extreme expense of the Gravitas system, given the complexity of installing something of that to that degree. But there is a reality of uh, you can order the foot components, evaluate them, and then return them if they're not what we said they were. So that's more, more reality, you know, coming back at you. Yeah, I think that there's uh, a great deal of uh, guarantee or just uh, a better evaluation process when uh, a manufacturer can be there to do the demonstration and make sure that the product is applied in the manner that it was designed for. And as long as that happens, it almost doesn't matter the results because if the listener doesn't like it, that's no problem. And if they love it, then great. They found something they enjoy. Yeah, well, uh, thanks for way, it's, it's great with us. And oftentimes we almost learn more, you know, from somebody that says, well, this isn't quite what I wanted because of reasons X, Y, and Z. Um, that's pretty insightful things uh, for us to know in the research side. Right. We're always there to learn as well. I'm interested in the reality of learning more and improving continuously, like the Walter J. Deming method. Thanks so much 
Luke, for joining me today. This is Mino Cristante, Weekend Environments, a Sanctuary of Sound. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Weekend Environments, a Sanctuary of Sound.